Good morning, morning church. So, so good to be here this morning and awesome that we don't have to register anymore. We can come in and we can um, yeah, just, just enjoy, sit wherever we want, go say hi to people, have kids down the front. It's so cool and um, yeah, just so blessed to be here sharing the word with you this morning. I'm Lockie and I'm one of the pastors here and Pastor Mike who shared a bit before about our vision and our model, he's our senior pastor here and we're just so stoked that you decided to join us today. Um, every time that, that you come here to this church, it just makes us feel so blessed to, to see you, to be able to worship together and we're just grateful and thankful that you're here today. And um, on the screen behind me, hopefully we'll get up in just a second. My title for today is Live Love. Live Love. And, and you'll see below there it says Love Well Part 1. And that's the name of this series. It's the Love Well. See, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're called to love. But we don't just want to love. We want to love well. We want to do it really well. And so for the next four weeks, what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about what it means to love like God, to love through conflict when it's difficult, to love with the way that we talk with each other. And then we're going to look at what real love is. Right? So over the next four weeks, that's, what we, that's the journey we're going to be on. And we're going to start today by talking about what does it mean to live love, to, to live as love, with love as the primary reality of our life, as the core of who we are. So I want to start by showing you a photo. Uh, this photo was taken in 2016 at the end of the year. I traveled to a place called Cambodia. And we did a mission trip there with a group from Avondale. And you'll see me in the middle there pointing at something. I don't know what I'm looking at, but um, this is just a bit of a photo we took with our team on the final day of this trip. And on your far right, there's a guy with his arms crossed like this, looking real cool. Uh, his name's Harley. Okay? And I did get Harley's permission to tell this story. I think the Ongs know him because he was a big part of you guys coming to, to join the Adventist church, which is cool. He was a classmate of mine, and we traveled to Cambodia together. And I messaged Harley yesterday. I was like, hey, I want to tell this story. Like, do you mind if I tell it? And he's like, yeah, no worries. So I was like, awesome. So I have full permission to say what I'm about to say. So just, just thought I'd tell you that. Um, so when we were in Cambodia, we, we tried our best to be polite and kind to everybody that, uh, that we met. As, as you do when you travel to a foreign country, and particularly when you're doing a mission trip, you want to be really kind and polite. So we, we learned a few words and a few basic words that we would need. So we learned words like thank you, hello, great to see you. And then we learned a few other words that were probably a bit more important, things like um, toilet or, or money or things that were going to be necessities, like water or things like that. But one of the challenges in Cambodia is that words can often sound pretty similar to the, to the Western ears. And the words for toilet and thank you are bokun and okun. Right? And when you're trying to learn a language, at times you can confuse words or add an extra syllable where it doesn't belong. And Harley got to a point, and he shared this story himself when he was preaching over there. He, he said that he got to the point where he couldn't remember which one was which. And so he would like be in a, in a village or something, would be helping someone, or they would come and give us some, maybe a drink of water. And he'd say, oh, bonkun, bonkun. Or like he'd be um, buying something, and, and they would you know, give it over to him, and he'd say, oh, bonkun. And these people just kept looking confused. And they're like, what? <laughs> Why is he saying toilet when I do something nice for you? Like, what, what is he talking about? And then eventually one of our, um, our Adra leaders there had to correct me and say, Harley, you keep saying toilet to people and they're a bit confused about what you're doing. He had great intentions, but very questionable execution. And I, unfortunately, I was guilty of this as well. I think most of us were at some point throughout the trip. Um, but yeah, great, great intentions, wanted to be polite, wanted to be kind, but just left people feeling confused. His heart was in the right place, his, his execution wasn't quite. And, and I share that story because I think that's true for us a lot of the time as well. Right? Our hearts can be in the right place, but often our intention isn't always communicated by our actions. I think if we're being honest, like, and, and I think that that's true for other people as well. Sometimes we take things differently to how people intended them to be taken. 
And today's message, we're going to step right into that tension as, as we read uh, this, this passage of Scripture. And, and, and it's a passage that um, basically is a heart check for every single one of us, right? Paul, Paul is writing to, to a group in a, in a city called Corinth, and we're going to talk a bit about that in a moment. And what he's doing is he's, he's coming straight at them. He's not beating around the bush. He's, he's coming straight for them and saying, hey, you need to check your heart and make sure that your heart is in the right place. Right? So we're going to pray and we'll jump right in. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can come together and unpack it. Lord, I ask, please rid me of myself now and give every single one of us receptive hearts to what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have a Bible, uh, why don't you open to the book of 1 Corinthians. It's in the New Testament of Scripture, which is the second half that starts when Jesus comes on the scene. Uh, 1 Corinthians, the reason it's called 1 Corinthians is because there's one with a one in front and one with a two in front. Um, there were two separate letters that Paul wrote to a church in a city called Corinth. Now, Corinth was a very important city in, the, in ancient Rome. It was a city uh, that was a very important for, for trade reasons. It was in a very key location, so you had heaps of people from different countries passing through, and they brought with them their social and their religious and their economic baggage. And so you have a very diverse, mixed-up community in Corinth. And, and Paul goes there and he thinks, you know what, if I plant a church here, imagine what could happen. Right? If I plant a church and people come here and they experience Jesus, they're going to go around the whole world. Right? So he plants a church in the city of Corinth with the hope that these people would spread the good news about Jesus everywhere. It's very tactical in, in the way that he plants this church. But as he leaves, he goes and plants churches in other cities, and he starts hearing reports from Corinth that he's not too happy about. Right? Because these guys start projecting their own uh, religious baggage onto their experience with Jesus. Right? They, they started living out their faith in Jesus like they used to live out their faith in their other gods that they used to worship. And Paul's been very clear that, that God is not like these other gods that had been worshipped in the past. God is one. God is the only true God. And there's a way that we need to be worshipping Him. And there's a particular posture of our heart we need to take when we worship Him as well. And that's what Paul's talking about in this passage. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to start at the start in verse 1. And it says this, If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, if I could speak all of those, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Your translation might say, like, if I could speak in tongues or if I could speak all the tongues of the earth, this is kind of a, a callback that Paul's giving to uh, what's what we call the day of Pentecost, right? It's in Acts chapter 2 there. And in, in that passage, what happens is some of the early believers of Jesus are preaching to a group of, of Jews. And these Jews have come from all over the place. And you can read it in Acts chapter 2. There's like 10 or 15 countries that are listed where these Jews had come from. And as these uh, early followers of Jesus were preaching, the Holy Spirit sort of did something and started translating what they were saying to the point where everyone could start like, understanding what these guys were saying in their own language. It's incredible. It's an incredible gift of, of tongues. And that's what Paul's referencing here. But he says, if I have that and I use that, but I don't have love, I'm like a, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, I'm a drummer, right? Uh, I actually grew up playing classical percussion. So that's what I wanted to do as a career before God called me into ministry. And... Uh, I've, I've been in a lot of performances with different orchestras and stuff, and I can tell you that uh, if, if you hit a gong at the wrong point of a song, or if you clash a cymbal at the wrong point of, of an orchestral piece, like people notice. 
Like, I've been in a part of a few performances and it was never me that did it, of course, but um, you get there and you're trying to put like your, your symbols back into the, into the slot that they sit in and one of them slips out and just like falls on the ground. It's a really like quiet, melodic, just beautiful part of the song and you just hear this and it's, it's distracting, right? It's distracting. But this says like, like, a, like a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. So it says like it's going on and on and on. It just it gets frustrating. It gets annoying. And, and Paul's saying, like, if you, if you have this gift, which is a good gift, but you don't have love, that's what it's like. It's distracting. It's annoying. It's actually undermining the very thing you're trying to achieve. And he goes on what he says next. He says, if I had the gift of prophecy, right? Another gift that the Holy Spirit can give. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understand all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, again, good things. If I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. And he goes on again in verse 3. He says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You see, for Paul, our, our religion, our faith in Jesus only has, has meaning and substance if it is grounded in, carried out in, and points other people towards love. Like it's the very essence of what it means to follow Jesus is love. And unfortunately, in the church in Corinth, they, they'd got into a habit of practicing these religious things, of doing these good spiritual things, but love started to be removed from the equation. And what he's saying here is that, hey, like, that, that stuff is good, but without love, it doesn't matter. What's the point? What's it all for? He says, love is the key. And the same goes for us today. We can come here, we can sing songs, I can preach a message, we can make great coffees in the foyer, we can have an awesome guest services team, we can do all these great things, we can do life groups, we can do a growth track, all good things. But if we don't have love, it's nothing. This isn't a complicated or crazy idea. Paul is saying that the, the, the priority in our lives needs to be love. The priority of our lives needs to be love. So what do you love? We're going to have a bit of fun here, and I want you to, to just to call out to me some of the things that people say they love. So what are some of the things that people say to you that they love? Just call it out. Ice cream. Sushi. Oh, amen. What else? Pizza. Oh, so good. Mangoes. Salad. Anything that isn't edible. <laughs> Sorry? Pets. Love our pets. What else? Football. Hey, we'll be praying for God's team, the Queensland Maroons, tomorrow night. What else? Family. Awesome. Finally, someone loves their family. That's good. Sorry? Nature. Love nature. So good. There are so many. Oh, at the back. Trudy, let's go. Your new car. Awesome. So good. Thanks so much for sharing. There are so many different things that people say they love, right? But would I be correct in presuming that the love you have for pizza is not the same kind of love that you have for your family? Is that fair to say? Yeah? So we're on the same page with that? See, it's really important as we go to the Bible that we don't bring with us all these different ideas about God or about faith or about life that we have from before we follow Jesus. Because if we do that, 
what we're saying is we're bringing that same idea of love that we have for pizza to what it's talking about here when it talks about following Jesus. And those are two completely different types of love. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say this. Say agape. Agape. Now that, that is the word that is used here time and time again in Scripture to talk about love. And I, and I actually learned something when I was preparing this message. And, and what I learned was that for the disciples, they didn't have the Oxford Dictionary of Greek words, whatever you want to call it, to define for them what love means. Right? They had a rough idea of it, but they didn't go through a dictionary and say, oh yeah, agape, early on in the dictionary. Agape. Yeah, that looks good. I'm going to use that word to describe Jesus. They actually did things the other way around. They used this word agape, and rather than having a pre-configured definition of agape, what they did is they allowed Jesus to define for them what agape means. So rather than bringing their own ideas about love and saying that is what Jesus is, they looked at Jesus and says that is what love means. Can you see how that's a different way of looking at things? So when they looked at love, they didn't think, oh, yeah, I love pizza, I love sushi, I love my mom, I love footy. They didn't think all that. They thought, no, this is Jesus. They're talking about Jesus here, right? So when they saw love, it was like a direct link to the life, ministry, and teachings of Jesus. And Jesus talks about love in the book of Mark, in chapter 12. He's having a conversation with some religious leaders about love. And they say, they say to him, you know, one of the teachers was standing there listening to this debate, and he realized that Jesus was answering them pretty well. So he asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And we might look at that and think, well, that's a loophole, Jesus. He asked for which is the greatest, and you just gave two. And so maybe we'd think, okay, well, which is the best out of those two, Jesus? Come on, you've got to pick. And if you were to ask him that, he would just say, yes, they're both, yes, they're both the most important commandment. You see, for Jesus, loving God and loving others, they're not two separate things. They're, they're like two sides of the same coin. Right? They go hand in hand. He says, you, you can love God by the way you love others. Right? And you can love others by investing in your relationship with God and loving God because that's going to make you into a, a person that is better at loving other people. Right? So, so as he talks about this and as, as we go through the life and ministry of Jesus and we, we look at it the way the disciples and the writers of the New Testament looked at it, what we see is that agape manifests itself in Jesus. Right? So, so we need to be really careful when we go to Scripture that we don't bring our own ideas about life and the world and, and, and particularly about love in this circumstance, that we don't bring those ideas and then say, okay, this is what Jesus means. Because whenever we do that, what we run the risk of doing with it is we create God in our image, right? We, we say, well, well, God looks like my idea of love. And my idea of love is not perfect. My idea of love is not what it needs to be if I'm going to fully understand God. So that word manifest, what, what I mean by that is that if we want to see what love looks like, we need to look to Jesus. 
not to a dictionary, not to the theological dictionary of the New Testament, right? not to a Greek lexicon. We need to look to Jesus. If you want to find what agape means, you need to look to Jesus. And so as we continue in that passage in 1 Corinthians, the very next thing Paul does is he starts to paint a picture for us of what loving like Jesus looks like. And we come to the passage that Ethan so beautifully read out to us before. And it starts in verse 4. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. Oh, that one's hard. Love is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. No record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love, love rejoices when the truth wins out. And so what we see Paul doing here is painting a picture for us. This is what love looks like. If you're wondering what it looks like to live love, look to this passage. Because Paul's talking here about Jesus. He's saying, hey, this is how Jesus lived his life. And as his followers, this is how we should live our lives. We should live our lives with love as well. We should live our lives with love as well. He goes on and says, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And so to live love, I say, is to live like Jesus. To live love is to live like Jesus. If we want to love well, if we want to be the best at loving out of anybody on this earth, we need to look no further than Jesus. Because if we look to Jesus, we look to what he did on that cross, what we see is the perfect picture of love. It wasn't fear, it wasn't anger, it wasn't frustration, it wasn't worry, it wasn't absence or lack of that motivated Jesus to come down to this earth. It was love. It was for love's sake that Jesus decided to give up his divine privileges, take on the humble position of a slave, and die a criminal's death on the cross. You might be wondering, okay, well, why did Jesus have to die that death? Truth is, he didn't. He chose to die that death. And the reason he chose to die that specific death was that in living a perfect life, he was able to offer himself in exchange for our imperfect life. By living a perfect life, Jesus had right standing with the Father. We call that righteousness. And because he died on the cross for us, if we want to receive it, then we can. We can receive this free gift of right standing with God right here, right now in this moment. Right? We can experience salvation. It's like a gift and it's open. It's ready for us to take. Jesus is saying, hey, this is the gift I've got, but it's yours to take. It's not, I'm not going to force it on you. Love doesn't force or coerce. He's holding this gift out and he's saying, do you want it? Do you want to accept it? Do you want to take it? And he's inviting every single one of us today to accept that free gift of love, that gift of salvation, of forgiveness of our sins and of right standing with the Father. And church, if you haven't accepted that before, I invite you today to accept that, to say, yes, you are my God, you are my Lord Jesus, and I want to follow you. But as we come to the next step in our model after knowing God, it's finding freedom. And the key part of that is how we live our lives, right? It is loving well. So we come back to that question 
I wanted you to reflect on at the start and ask you, how's your heart? What's the number one priority in your life? I was chatting to a friend of mine yesterday who's a colleague from, from Melbourne, and he was telling me a story um, from their church. And you can actually find it in the record. He, um, he works at Dandenong Polish Church, and they have a massive soup kitchen there. They're doing an incredible thing for, for the kingdom down there. And um, the, the other day, they were running this soup kitchen, and he was saying that he'd give them a bit of a pep talk, and he gave them the love well pep talk, right? Because this is something we used to talk about all the time. It's not just loving, but how do we love well? How do we love the best that we can? And he gave his team this pep talk. And he gave them this question. He says, how is this helping me love well? Or how is this helping us to love well? Anyways, the night goes on. They start giving food. And it was, uh, this is Melbourne, so it's a bit colder than up here. And so they put the heaters on. And one of the volunteers, he's wearing like a few jackets, right? Because he was working outside. But he came inside and he just started getting so hot. And so he got a bit irritated and he went into the kitchen and was like, guys, why do we have the heaters on? And, and they're all like, got a few layers less on because they're slaving around in a kitchen, right? And um, he goes in and, and all of a sudden out of nowhere, they start, they start getting this like verbal like fight going on in the kitchen between him and this other guy about whether or not they should have the heaters on. They start fighting and saying like, no, like you're too cold, you're too hot. Like, and they just give it this little fight like, like five-year-olds, about whether or not the heaters should be on. And remember, this is while they're trying to serve and help out homeless people by feeding them, right? So at the same time that they're trying to love well, they're also not loving very well at all with each other. And it actually took a third person to come in and say, hey, guys, how is this helping us to love well? And they realized, they were like, oh, we had the intention of loving well, but our actions are far from it. And they had to forgive each other in that moment. And they went their separate ways for a little bit just to cool down um, and then kind of recovered that relationship by the end of the night. But that's a bit of an extreme example. But, but I think it's something that we see symptoms of in our own life all the time. As we look at this list here, is there anything there that you think you could improve on? Is there anything there that maybe in the last week you thought, oh, I didn't quite do that very well? On the left-hand side, we have what love is in that passage. On the right-hand side, we have what love is not. And if you've been irritated in the last week, if you've been rude in the last week, I know I certainly have. Have you kept a record of wrong in the last week? Have you been patient? Have you been hopeful? Is there anything on this list that jumps out at you, church? As I invite the band up, what I I want to challenge you to do is to grab out something that you can take notes on. So whether that's a phone or a piece of paper or anything, just grab it out now. And maybe the Spirit has been talking to you today and saying, you know, you just need to recalibrate, to reset today, to come back. And maybe there's one specific thing on here that you're like, ah, I need God to, to do that in my life over the next week. I have good news for you, church, because... Jesus promises that that when we abide or remain in him and in his love, that he's going to start to bring these things out of us, right? And you can read about that in Galatians. You can read about that in John 15. There are so many passages that talk about that, that that this isn't the sort of thing that if you just try harder, it's going to happen. This is something that is going to happen when we release, when we submit to God and say, yes, Jesus, I need you to do a new work in me. I need you to transform me. And so if there's anything on that list that jumps out at you today, what I want to challenge you to do is just get out like, the notes on your phone and just write it down, right? 
Just get out the notes on your phone, write it down. Maybe you have a piece of paper, write it down there. Just write it down and say, God, like, I want to give this to you today. This is something that I've been struggling with. I want to look more like love in my own life. I want to live love in my own life. For being honest, church, I've been really struggling with getting irritated recently. Um, I had plans to go to Sydney in, in two weeks' time. And after that, I was going to go home to Perth for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, to see my grandparents, to see my cousins. But given what's happened in Sydney over the last week or so, uh, that can't happen, right? And that's really irritating. That's frustrating. And so for me, what I want to work on this week and what I want God to bring out of me is more patience and more joy. Less irritation, right? And that's not something I'm going to be able to do by myself, church. But I want to challenge you to join me as I, as I give this to God today. Would you give to God what you want Him to work on in your life as well? What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. This is a prayer of commitment. This is a prayer of submission. And this is a prayer asking for God's help. So would you join me now as I pray? Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your love. I want to accept you as my Savior. Lord, I'm not perfect, but you are. So Lord, I give you what has been holding me back. Would you transform me this week? It's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.